let me give you a discussion question around your tables. Uh, here, if you could talk about this, what is your God-given purpose? Maybe you've thought about that. Maybe you haven't. But I'd like the best you can to articulate that because we're going to talk about this today. What do you think your God-given purpose is? Why you're on earth? Talk about that at your tables. Go for it. We're in part 21. We are cruising through the book of Acts. And we're studying heroes of the faith. It seems like each chapter in the book of Acts features a hero of the faith, an ordinary person that God uses in an extraordinary way. And that's what happens when you're filled with his spirit. And we've been learning this is what God wants to do today because his Holy Spirit lives in our lives. He wants to take us as ordinary people and use us in heroic ways when we submit ourselves to his way and his will and uh, in the power of the Spirit. Now this morning, uh, our hero of the faith is the Apostle Paul, okay? And we're going to examine an address that Paul makes. We call it his farewell address to the Ephesian elders. And kind of in the midst of this address, he reveals to us a, a heroic trait. And in any time someone shows this, they become instantly heroic. This is something God wants you and I to have and live with and manifest. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible to develop a God-given purpose for your life and actually live out that purpose? And the answer yes is yes, of course. Any believer can do this, and when you do, you become a hero of the faith, like Paul. Uh, believers who have a clear purpose statement about their life, they live a clear life, like 2020 vision. There's focus. They accomplish great things for God. Believers who lack a clear purpose, they live kind of a foggy life. They they stumble. They they just uh, it's blurry. They lack focus. They lack vision. Uh, here's our hero of the faith trait this morning. One of the most heroic things you can do is to develop your God-given purpose for your life that comes from God and live it out. So I just want to begin by asking you, have you developed such a purpose, a God-given purpose, and are you living it out? Anytime you meet a believer who knows their God-given purpose and is living it out, you've just met a hero of the faith. Hmm. Anyone can live out their purpose apart from God, void of God. That's not heroic at all. There's all sorts of people like that. Unbelievers, non-Christians, they live according to their self-designated purpose. The word for that is called hedonism. Virtually every non-Christian ultimately is choosing to be hedonistic, live for self. When you become a Christian, you take on a new identity, and you're saying, I want to live for you, Jesus, but have we received from the Lord what our purpose is and how that should be reflected in our life? Is it possible to develop this for your life and live it out? Yes, it really is. We're going to talk about that this morning. So let's begin by looking at the Apostle Paul's stated God-given purpose, and then we're going to kind of take it apart and look at the implications of this for our own life. 
Acts chapter 20, verse 24 is, is a powerful verse because this is the Apostle Paul's stated purpose. And let's read it out loud together, starting with however. Here he goes, ready? However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So as we look at this verse here, which is Paul's stated purpose, I want to just ask you some thought-provoking questions. I need to go deeper with this before we begin to unpack it, because I really want you to kind of begin to wrestle with this in your own life. So as you look at that statement, have you come to the point in your life where you've said to yourself, like the Apostle Paul said to himself, I consider my life as worth nothing to me. In other words, have you come to the point in your Christian life when you said, my life lived apart from Christ is absolutely worthless. It's not even worth living. I'm done with living my life apart from God. Have you come to that point? Has that we call it crisis sanctification? There's a moment you're just like, as a Christian, saying, done. I just don't want my way anymore. Have you come to the point where you only have one aim in life? You reduce it down to one aim. This is what Paul is saying he came to. Have you said, no more schizophrenic Christian living? No more doing 10 things as a Christian. I'm, I'm bringing it down to one thing. Billy Graham said, don't miss the point of your life. Have you come to the point where you see yourself running a race? Not races, but a race. A race. It has a start and a finish. Time is ticking. You only have so much time. Have you come to the point where you've identified the task that Jesus Christ has given you to live out? Paul talks about his task, not tasks, plural. His task. Every believer has a God-given task. Jesus himself had a God-given task. John 17, 4. Jesus said, I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work, not works, the work, which was to go to the cross, you gave me to do. What has God given you to do? He's been trying to get your attention your whole life about this one thing he wants you to do. Have you defined clearly to yourselves and others what your God-given work, task, assignment is? Paul sure did. Oh, did he ever. That's why he is a hero of the faith. Paul said, my task is the task of testifying the good news of God's grace, and we know from other scriptures, to the Gentiles. That was his target audience, what he was to do and who he was to do it for. Now, just, I want you just to kind of think about this, because I guarantee you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and God, your whole Christian life is trying to get your attention and refine this purpose for what she's created you in Christ Jesus. Um, so I, I, you know, I want you to just talk here at your tables about the difference it would make if in fact you really had this. Why is it important to develop your God-given purpose and live it out? Why do you think that would be important? 
wrestle with that at your tables, and then we're going to talk about it. Okay, go for it. Okay, this morning, what we want to do is to look at five signs, five signs that you've discovered your God-given purpose and are living it out. Now, as time goes on in your Christian life, these signs will become more and more clear. When you're young in your faith, they're very blurry, these five things. But the further you walk with Jesus, the more his Holy Spirit will refine to you what his purpose is for your life, and they'll become more clear. Now, there are really three kinds of people here this morning, or if you're watching on video. There's the first person that's going to say, yep, that's me, check, got all five going on. Boom, 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 got it. These five things, clear, yep. And when those things are clear, it's going to say, you've got your singular purpose for which God has called you. It's clear in your mind. You're living it up. The second person is, nope, that's not me at all. I got none of this going on in my life, Mark. And, and that's all right, because that shows you're early in the process, and the Lord's going to be speaking to you about something he wants to develop in your life, which is very, very exciting. And so you can be encouraged, because he's going to put you on a track where this will become clear over time. The third person is, well, that's partially me, Mark. I, I've got, you know, two out of three that are kind of, you know, and that's awesome. Because this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's wanting to refine this and make this clear over time. And this will give you something to develop and a grid to work on and begin to pray over so that this purpose for which God has called you will become more clear in your life and you'll begin living it out. So first way to know you've discovered and are living out your God-given purpose is this. You will travel for your God-given purpose. You're going to actually travel. You'll be moved to move toward that purpose. Now, notice how this is so obvious in Paul's life. In Acts chapter 20, we find Paul in the middle of his third missionary journey. And let me read some scripture here about that journey and Paul's traveling and point out a few things, locations on the map. As uh, we'll see behind us, Paul's third missionary journey show up. There you go. So, Here we are, Acts chapter 20, verse 1. When the uproar ended, now the uproar was the riot that we talked about in Ephesus yesterday. Ephesus, or last Sunday, is right here in Asia Minor. When that ended, look what Paul's doing. Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye, and he set off for Macedonia. So Paul's going here. Macedonia is over in that direction. He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally he arrived in Greece, which is down in here, area where Corinth is, and uh, where he stayed three months because some Jews had plotted against him just as he was about to set sail for Syria. He was going to go from here all the way to Syria, back here to Antioch, or actually to Jerusalem, but uh, there was a plot underway, and uh, he decided to go back through Macedonia. So he's like, "Ah, I'll just go back through all this again. And so he did. And um, he was accompanied by Sopater, son of uh, Phyrus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derbe, Timothy also and Tychicus, and Trophimus from the province of Asia. I mean, he's always traveling with people. By the way, you need to travel with people. I always never travel alone. That is a sure way to get into trouble. These men went on ahead and waited for us, us. All of a sudden we get the us 
uh, pronouns. This is when Luke, the author of the book of Acts, joins uh, Paul in all the journey at Troas. But we, the we pronouns, sail from Philippi after the festival of unleavened bread. Five days later, we joined the others at Troas, where we stayed seven days. What I just want you to notice is that not all the locations are, you know, critical for you to know, but he's going everywhere. Why is Paul traveling? Because he's living out his God-given purpose. Now, your travel destinations will be different than Paul's because your God-given purpose is different than Paul's, but you will travel. If you are not traveling for your God-given purpose, it is not clear what your purpose is. You'll be traveling to the store, maybe to purchase supplies for your fourth grade Sunday school class, because that's God's assignment for your life. Your purpose is to teach that class, so you're going to be going to that class. You'll travel to that finance seminar to learn how to better share God's purpose for your life as a financial advisor at Three Crosses, because that is God's ministry, his purpose for you. Uh, You'll travel downtown Oakland because God has given to you the task of serving the homeless in our cross streets ministry. I mean, we could go on and on and on. A sign you've discovered and are living out your God-given purpose is that you will travel for your God-given purpose. Probably one of the most common questions I get asked now is, where are you going next, Mark? And where I'm going to go next is, uh, well, where am I going to be going next? (laughs) I'll be going to Vietnam. And And what about you? Where are you going next? If you don't know where you're going next, for your purpose, you may not have it very clearly understood. Because one of the things you do when you know what your purpose is, is you travel for that purpose. You're compelled to go, to hit the road, whatever it might look like. Second way, to know you have discovered or living out your God-given purpose. You'll speak endlessly about your God-given purpose. Wow, look at verse seven and following. On the first day of the week, look at this in Paul's life. Now, they're in Troas right now, so they're on Sunday, the first day in Troas on a Sunday. We came together to break bread. So this is actually not communion, but they're actually having dinner. So let's say at 6 o'clock. Paul spoke to the people there in Troas, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. That's a six-hour sermon. You guys think I preach long. Come on. (laughs) Give me a break. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Now, again, Luke's given the account. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus. I mean, this guy's in a window, open window, Mediterranean, warm, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. (laughs) Isn't that great? So don't feel too bad if you fall asleep in church once in a while, but not while I'm preaching. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Fortunately, it was the apostle Paul preaching and not a guy like me, because Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, put his arms around him, and raised him from the dead. Don't be alarmed, he said he's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. Now he's going, okay, let's have a midnight snack now, and let's wake up everyone, let's eat. And after talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. And they just heard a 12-hour sermon. So the point here is this. If you know your purpose from God, you will endlessly talk about it. If you're not talking endlessly about something, 
the, the, the purpose is not clear for you. Your endless chatter will be on a completely different topic than Paul's because your God-given purpose is different. Let me give you so many examples because you guys do this all the time. My dad, you know, I get together with him every Thursday. What does he want to endlessly talk about? Kids, foster care, kids, foster care, and parenting. It just comes out of him, oozes out of him. You can't be around him. What's going on, dad? And he's just talking about parenting, teaching. Tina, all she wants to talk to me about are her picture, uh, pictorial, you know, tools that God has given her. She's translating these into all sorts of different languages. They're going all over the world. That's all she wants to talk about is her booklets. Tina, I don't know if you're here. Jean and Lynn, all you want to do is talk to me about the movie ministry. That's all. I get emails all the time. And guess what? I love this stuff because it tells me you know your God-given purpose. You have something to talk about that stirs your heart. AJ, all he wants to talk about is home communities. Annie, all she wants to talk to me about is children's ministry, how we can better children's ministry, how can we bring missions to children's ministry. Tom, all he wants to do is talk to me about tiny homes. Tiny homes, tiny homes, that's it. I'm like, wow, the berries constantly talk to me about their kids. Their kids are missionaries, pastors. Their, their, their purpose is to support their kids. It's, it's so obvious, it's beautiful. Uh, it goes on and on and on. Lisa Landrum, women's ministry. That's all it is, women's ministry. You're just caught up. Speaking endlessly about your God-given purpose is a sign you have one and you've discovered it. So what are you mostly talking about? Hopefully, it's about the purpose for which God's given you. That shows you have it. Third way you know you've discovered living out your God-given purpose, you will risk danger to live out your God-given purpose. Now, risking danger, it's a sign you've discovered your God-given purpose. You're living it out. Notice how this looked like in Paul's life. Again, it's going to look different in your life but let's see it in Paul's life. First of all, verse 13. Uh, so, we went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Assos when we were going to take Paul aboard, but he had made this arrangement because he was going there on foot. So, uh, the, uh, the map's not up there, but uh, I, that's all right. When uh, he met us at Assos, we uh, took him aboard and went to Maitlene. The next day, by the way, some of you are freaked out about getting on a carnival cruise ship right now and sailing. Think about it 2,000 years ago. The risk of sailing. Paul was shipwrecked twice, spent a night in the water with sharks and everything. Why did he do this? Because he had a God-given purpose that moved him. You will risk danger when you have a purpose. Uh, the day after we crossed over to Sam Samus and the following day we arrived at Miletus, Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem if possible by the day of Pentecost. From Malaeus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. This was the capital, remember we showed you last Sunday, of uh, Asia Minor, and Paul sent all those elders that were critical for the church expansion in that area to come uh, and, and meet with him, when they arrived at Miletus, he said to them, 
I'm looking back there to see if the map was up, but it's not. I can't point to you these areas. You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. Now he shows it. <laughs> so here's Malaeus right in here, right there. So this is where Paul's having this discussion. The Ephesian elders are right here. They, they took a journey inland, to, or maybe they sailed to come down, and, uh, but to spend time with Paul. And, and he's just having this discussion with them. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived my whole time with you from the first day I came to the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of the Jewish opponents. I mean, Paul risked danger constantly. You know how I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you and taught you publicly from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God and repent and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what's going to happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are awaiting you there in Jerusalem. And yet he still goes, knowing he's going to prison, going to be arrested, which he will get to later. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom, you're ever going to see me again. Wow, that's pretty ominous. What if I took off, you know? Hey, see you guys, you're never going to see me again. I'm going to Vietnam, I'm going to be executed. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the kind of language he's sharing with these Ephesian elders. The Holy Spirit revealed to him, last time you're going to see me. But he's still moving because when you have a God-given purpose, you'll risk your life. Therefore, I declare to you, by the way, if you don't have a reason to die, you don't have a reason to live. Find the reason to die. That is your purpose. Whatever you'll die for, that's what you should be living for, and you will come alive. If you're missing a reason to die, God wants to give you that, and it's found in your purpose. Therefore, I declare to you today, I'm innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. So Paul is just sailing all over the Mediterranean, Asia Minor. He's just risking death why because you will risk danger to live out your god-given purpose you know i was thinking how i could just kind of bring this home to you and i was thinking i have taught the word of god 36 years here at three crosses and i think this ministry may be 25 and if there's anything that you've learned from me by way of example not things i've taught but maybe something you have caught from me I would put it in these six words that I would pass on to you. Please don't live a safe life. If there's anything, if you have for some reason concluded that you should live a safe life, I I feel I have failed you as a pastor and a teacher because there is not one verse in the Bible that says you are called to live a safe life. Please do not live a safe life. I'll just leave it at that. Take risks. Take chances. Risk danger. Challenge your limits. Dream great dreams. And then do in Christ's strength those dreams. That's called faith. It's called faith. A clear sign you've discovered your God-given purpose 
for your life and you're living it out is you'll risk danger now and then. Now and then. That's called faith. Now, your risk of danger is going to look a lot different than Paul's because your God-given purpose is different. And your risk of danger is going to look completely different than mine because you're not called to be me. You're called to be you. And your risk of danger will look different for you. Maybe it's taking a stand, you know, in your office complex for Jesus and maybe getting fired. What a great way to go to heaven. Seriously. Versus living just as a chameleon Christian that blends in. To God be the glory. Now, I'm not, please don't go marching into work tomorrow, you know, with banners and Mark says I need to be, you know. No, you, you, you got to hear from the Lord on this. You know, a bit ago, to just share with you guys, I see this all the time in you. Do you know this gal? Do you know Sharon? She's one of my heroes. She's in her 70s. I don't know, Sharon, if you're here today. So nine months ago, she emailed me. She's like, Mark, the, the call of God on my heart is for children, and I want to go to India and share the gospel with children that have never heard. I said, okay, Sharon. I go, let's begin praying. Well, she's like, she's a go-getter. She's like, Mark, I found the place. I've made a relationship. And I go, okay, where is it? I go, let me check it out. So I do my research, and I find out where, she, this is a highly persecuted area. Very few Christians. And so part of what I do is I do help people go on mission trips, but we have guidelines. And if you want to go somewhere, I'll help you get there, but you need to have someone to receive you, someone that I trust, because you're going under my care and our church's care. And I'm like, Sharon, who are you traveling with? No one. God's called me to go. <laughs> and I'm like, you just want to go <laughs> with no one there to receive you and share the gospel in the middle of India in an area where there's great persecution. And I go, I love you, girl. I said, but I can't bless it because I'll lose my job. <laughs> I go, I need to help you. And, you know, so anyway, the trip ended up falling through. But I've never forgot the boldness of a woman who'd be willing in her 70s to go to a place that is high-risk area just so children could learn about Jesus. And I thought, that's a gal that knows her purpose. It's awesome. Fourth way to know you've discovered your purpose and are living it out. You'll exhort others about your God-given purpose. Now, to exhort means to strongly encourage. When you've discovered your God-given purpose, watch this, you will strongly encourage others about it. And notice how this was the case with the Apostle Paul. He's strongly encouraging the Ephesian elders on various points related to the gospel and church planning. And, you know, just, I'm going to hit these quick, but you'll see that he reminds them what they should do, verse 28. He says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. He warns them about the dangers they're going to face after Paul leaves. Verse 29, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you there in Ephesus, not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men are going to arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. 
Then he tells them what they need in verse 32. Now I commit you to God the word of his grace, the word of God, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. And then he reminds them from his own example of what they need to model, which you'll see verse 33. I've not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know uh, that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In other words, Paul's talking about working hard. You want to be used of God greatly, you know, young guys will talk to me a lot. It requires hard work, hard work, you know, like Paul, he's a tent maker, he's working, he's sharing the gospel. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Hard work will also accompany your, if you have a God-given purpose. Some of you would be shocked at how hard Danny Strange works to preach. You would be shocked if you really learned how hard I work for our missions and for you. I'm just saying this because some of us don't work hard enough in God's work. 40, 50, 60 hours, I wish it was that. 70, 80, 90, 100 hours. This is, you know, when, and, you, and it's a joy in my life. Please understand, this is the joy. But, but if you're not working hard, I don't know if you have gotten your call from God and that focus of it. But you'll exhort others. And this is what Paul is doing. He's just pouring his life out. So a clear sign you discovered this purpose is that you're exhorting others about it. And it, your exhortation is going to be different than Paul's because your God-given purpose is different. Like Justin, for example. He warns kids about the destructiveness of drugs because this is God's call upon his life. All I know this guy, he's constantly talking to young people about the destructiveness of drugs and he's exhorting them. This is God's purpose in his life. Lisa, you heard her this morning challenging the women to the if tables because there's a burn within her, a call within her to see women shepherded and find Christ. And, and exhortation comes out, you know? Fifth way to know. You discovered and living out your God-given purpose. You will pray with others about your God-given purpose. This is a clear sign. You've, you've got it, like it's in your heart. Notice how Paul joins others in prayer. Verse 36, when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down <laughs> with all of them, the elders, and prayed. They all wept and embraced him as he kissed him. What grieved them most was the statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship when he would kind of go back to Jerusalem. But your prayers are going to be different than the apostle Paul. You're going to pray about different things. You're going to pray about the thing that God has put on your heart, the call on your heart. And I look out here, many of you, I prayed uh, for your prison ministry because prison ministry is all you want to have prayer about. That's your passion. Financial management. You're constantly praying about this. What I mean by that is you want to help others become financially stable and, and good stewards, and so you pray about that. I love our greeters at our church. I walk into there before the first service and they're all out holding hands. They're praying that God will use them. Our traffic ministry out there the same. You go to these outreaches that we do, 
Easter, Christmas, the cast, praying together. It's God's call on their life to serve the Lord together. Prayer will accompany the call that God has put on your life. Mm. So these are five signs that you discover that God helps you kind of find into focus when you realize you're discovering your purpose and you're living it out. So how's it going in these areas? You will travel for God and his God-given purpose in your life. You're going to actually drive. You're going to go to, is that a check? Can you say, yeah, yeah, man, I'm traveling for my purpose. You will speak endlessly about your God-given purpose. Are you talking about this purpose that God has called you to? You will risk danger to live out that God-given purpose. Is that show up once in a while? You will exhort others about your God-given purpose. You're talking to others, trying to bring, oftentimes you just bleed out and you want to bring them into it. Hey, come and join me in prison ministry. Come and join me in whatever, you know, feeding the homeless. You talk and exhort and encourage others. You pray with others about your God-given purpose, you know? Hmm. Okay, let's talk about this. What is God saying to you from this overview of the five signs that you've discovered your purpose and are living it out? God's going to be saying different things to different people. It's a good place to just kind of sound off. What is God saying to you so far as we've talked about this? Go ahead and talk about that at your tables. Okay, let me bring you back to our hero of the faith trade. Can we put it up there actually, Robert, and we'll read it one more time? Let's read this out loud, if we could, our trait one more time. Here it is. Ready? One of the most heroic things you can do is to develop your God-given purpose and live it out. Notice the word develop. What's the word I just said? Develop. That means you never arrive. That means this is something you're constantly working on your whole Christian life, developing this purpose for your life. So I want to especially spend time right now in the time we have left, to encourage those of you who are not in the first category. I know there are many of you in the first category that are like, this is clear, Mark. All five of these I'm clicking on. But those of you where it's blurry, or even those of you who are here, you're like, Mark, this is just not even on my radar. What do I do? I want to let you know. I want to encourage you. I want to pastor you and love you and let you know there was a time in my life when this was completely blurry to me as well. And I did not have this purpose. And I want to share with you some things that will encourage you, okay? So first of all, three benefits from developing this God-given purpose and living it out will come to you. And I want to encourage you to do so. You got to develop this, and we're going to get at that in a second. But these are the benefits that will come to you. The first is focus. You'll have a life that actually has focus, like 2020 spiritual vision. Paul said, my only aim, I mean, that's powerful. My only aim is to finish the race. Notice, race is singular, not races. My only aim is to finish the race. And he says, to complete the task, not tasks. Task, one thing that the Lord Jesus has given me. So you will have focus. By the way, if you're a man, you desperately need focus. The reason I say that is because women crave a man who has focus. Just few things are as important to your wife or a lady if you are a man. 
and you want a wife, you want a good catch, get focus in your life. And a woman will go, wow, that's a guy I can follow because he knows where he's going. Am I right, ladies? <laughs> you know? That's a turn on for women. It just is. Some of you ladies are like blushing right now. Yeah. So you'll have focus. Second is fruitfulness. When you have focus and you kind of know what your purpose is, you'll be fruitful. You'll bear much fruit. Like you'll have impact in the world for the Lord Jesus Christ because you have focus. Third thing is fulfillment. See, you are created as a man and as a woman to have a God-given purpose so that you'll have focus, fruitfulness, and fulfillment. Without it, you're not going to have joy or satisfaction. But when you have focus, see, God has created you for something that gives you amazing, immense joy and fulfillment. And until you find that, you'll just be struggling. Okay. Now, let me give you three ways to develop your God-given purpose and live it out. How do you develop this for your life? And this is the process that I went through. Number one, death. What do you mean by death? Acts 20, 24, Paul said, I consider my life as worth nothing to me. You've got to come to the point in your life where you're like, I'm done with my life. I'm done with living for myself. I'm disgusted with myself, my way, my thing, me, me, me. Until you come to that point, you're not ready for this. You've really got to be disgusted with living a self-centered, hedonistic life. And even as a Christian, you can live that way. You've just got to die to yourself and say, done, I want Jesus. I want his purpose. Does not matter the cost. It does not matter the cost. I am willing to die to everything for Jesus. And so that's the first step. And that's what Paul said. I consider my life worth nothing to me. Hmm. And Paul had a lot going on that he sacrificed to get to be an apostle to the Gentiles. The second is discovery. Paul said, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Underline, has given me. You see, the race, the task, it's already been given to you by Jesus Christ. It came to you at salvation. You've already been given your assignment. You've already been given your purpose. Many of you know what it is. Some of you may be in denial some of you are afraid of what the Holy Spirit continues to speak to you about and fear is holding you back from pursuing it. Some of you need to get alone with God and just be honest with him and say, okay, God, I'm ready. I know you've been speaking to me. I wanna, I'm ready to listen. I'm dead with my old life. I desperately want your life. That's the requirement. So, let me ask you some simple questions that will help you discover what your God-given purpose is. Because these are the things that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about. Where do you sense God calling you to travel for him? Where is the Holy Spirit saying you need to go? Well, that, that's tied into your purpose. Where is God draw, or what is God drawing you to speak endlessly about for him? Not about you, but what does he want you to be an advocate for? That is your purpose. Where is God leading you to risk danger for him? That is your purpose. For me, Vietnam, next. 
and then there'll be more countries. That's me. But what about you? Where is he leading you to risk danger? It could be danger of your reputation. All sorts of different ways that danger shows up. Financial danger. Oh, Mark, but I'm all ready for retirement. Great. Get to heaven and you got glory. You got everything. But what about now? Hmm. You ready to give it all? What is God saying? What is God calling you to exhort others about on behalf of him? What does he want you to be the, just the ringleader of, the voice for, calling others? Hmm. What is God drawing you to pray about with others? What should be the prayer of your life? What is it? Those things that the Holy Spirit is bringing up in your life will point to your God-given purpose. So you got to die to your purpose and say, I want your purpose, discover it, because God's already given it to you. And then you got to declare it. In other words, you put into writing what your God-given purpose is. You write your own Acts 20.24. My only aim, and you write yours. It's not going to look like Paul's. It's going to be yours. One of my favorite memories of uh, my brother Todd is traveling with him to Thailand. He's traveled with me on many missions trips. But he was in Thailand with me, and we're in a very rural area. And there were, I think, six of us. And we were in this uh, new kind of movement where we were partnering, and it's still going on today. And the pastor's name there is Baoji. And, and we were giving our farewell kind of uh, blessing to the church that was gathered like 80 members. And each one would give their blessing. And I said, give a scripture and just a blessing on the church. So Todd gets up. And he has his Bible, he's all excited, and, uh, and, he, and, he, and he turns to Baoji, and he says, Baoji, this is my verse, please read it to the congregation. And, and he meant to say, read Acts 20, 24. But he gave to Baoji Acts 20, 23. And Baoji's like looking at it, flipping through his Bible, and you know, he's speaking in Thai, and he goes, you want me to read 23? Todd goes, yeah, 23 thinking it should have been 24. And Baoji goes, are you sure? And Todd goes, yes, read Acts 20, 23. So Baoji read Acts 20, 23. To the entire congregation on behalf of, Paul, of Todd, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. <laughs> and there was this gasp and pause, and then the whole congregation started cracking up. Because they got to know Todd, and Paul's like, then Todd was just, he's like, no, 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 verse 24, you know, and trying to just correct the whole thing, and it was just absolutely a riot, but I kind of, you know, and so every time I read this verse, I think of that moment in, Paul, in Todd's life. For your own life, this is my question for you. Are you living out a mixed purpose statement? Are you reading the wrong verse for your life. Do you need to write your own accurate Acts 20, 24 purpose statement? Are you living out a wrong verse? Your verse versus the verse God wants you to live out. His verse, the right verse, the right song, the right theme 
for your life. On November 24th, 1998, my life was absolutely changed. And I never saw it coming. I was sitting in a class. I was in my doctoral work. The president of Moody Bible College was lecturing. And I'm with all these pastors trying to earn their doctorate. And uh, it was the end of four days of class. These classes were eight hours long. You know, you live with a professor. It's, it was a different kind of, you know, not class like maybe you're used to. But that's what you do at that level. We were tired. We had our laptops out. And I'll never forget, we were starting to, like Eutychus, fall asleep. <laughs> and this guy's a great communicator. And he said, all right. Remember, he clapped his hands. Everyone kind of woke up. He said, close your laptops, which we did. He said, take out a sheet of paper, which we're like, none of us had any paper. We're scrambling for a paper. What's a pen, you know? And, and he goes, this is what I want you to do. I want you to write your purpose statement out, and then in 10 minutes, one by one, you're going to share it in front of class. And I was just like freaking out. I'm with 30 pastors from all the United States, and I'm going to bare my soul, and I've never even thought about a purpose statement for my life. This class was on leadership. And he's like, how can you lead if you don't know what your own purpose is? That's what he was getting at. And I started sweating bullets. I'm going to have to go up and declare my purpose. And so I, I, I got a lot. He goes, go ahead, walk anywhere you want, back here in 10 minutes. So I walk down the hall, and I'm getting out of this sheet of paper, and I, I remember the Holy Spirit putting on paper what I knew I was always afraid to write. And I wrote out this statement. And I read it in front of 30 pastors, and my life came alive. It literally set my whole life on fire for Jesus. Because finally, I was a pastor with focus. Out of that statement came our life transformation seminars where more than 3,000 people have come through. Out of that seminar came our entire missions program, which is now reaching 17 countries and growing. Hundreds of thousands of people have come to Christ to the glory of God because of focus. And this is nothing about me, you guys. This is a miracle of what God did in my own life because I finally had focus. And so, as your pastor, as someone who loves you deeply and deeply wants to see your life count for the glory of God, I exhort you to write out your purpose statement for your life. My purpose statement is to bring glory to God by equipping the church locally and globally to carry out the great commission and the great commandment for the evangelization of the world. That's it. That's what I wrote out years ago. That may make no sense to you, but it makes all sense to me. It allows me to wake up every day knowing what my purpose is. And so I want to encourage you to write out your God-given purpose statement. My God-given purpose is dot, dot, dot. My only aim is dot, dot, dot. You write it out. You want to know how um, lion tamers tame lions? I think they're some of the most heroic people. They walk into, and I've been literally on safari. I've seen lions in 
the wild, and it's crazy. I can't even imagine getting out of where I've been in. These guys will walk into a cage with a lion. They'll have a sidearm if things go really bad. They'll have a whip, and then they'll have just simply a stool with actually three legs. And the most important thing a lion tamer will tell you is this stool. Because he'll thrust the stool out at the lion, and instinctively, the lion doesn't look at him like as a meal, but is looking at the three prongs of the stool, and he's trying to focus on all three at one time, and he can't. And the lion is becoming mesmerized by the three, and ultimately becoming tame, docile by the three. Too many Christians today are tamed and docile by all the prongs that Satan, the world, is throwing out at you. And they're missing the one point for which God has called them for. What is the one? There is a task that God has for you. He's created you for that. He loves you. What a great opportunity you have to go home today, get before the Lord, quietly your hearts before the great Super Bowl, make this a super Sunday, and get the greatest thing that you could possibly develop for your own life in line. And it'll become just a little bit more in focus today. And if that happens, it's been a super Sunday, amen? amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, that you save us by your grace, you bring us to heaven, but then you bring heaven to earth through us before we go to heaven. Like there is a beautiful purpose that you have for each of your children. And God, I admit it's so easy to get distracted by this world. This world is, is very deceptive. And there is an enemy that seeks to steal and kill and destroy our purpose. And he throws so much at us. And that's why we need times like this where we could hear from you and look at someone like the Apostle Paul who said one thing, you know, that he had, that he focused his life on. And surely, Lord, there are many things that we need to do as responsible Christians. But there becomes one priority, one main focus, and it's not hedonistic. It's about your call in our lives, Lord. It's about the spiritual call of God. And Lord, I pray, oh Holy Spirit, that you would just love your people today. Let them know how much you love them. And it's because you love them so much that you want to reveal this to them. And I thank you for that moment. You did so for me. And Lord, if for some way you could do that here for others, I would be so humbled, Lord. And I thank you, it's not me, it's your word, that you would do this for your glory and honor and praise. Maybe you just need to say, Lord, um, help me with this. Let this become more clear for me. Let me, Lord, carve out some time to talk to you about this today. Why don't you just ask the Lord for that and ask him to bring clarity because he already knows what it is for you. It's just you hearing it. He is wanting to give it. Thank you that you're a God who gives. We love you. All God's people said?